Hello and welcome to another savory, just mwah, chef's kiss episode of Wang Bang with Fish Tank. This is episode 29, where I talk about a subject because I'm by myself, instead of talking about myself because I'm not interesting. Uh, so just before we start talking about something that isn't myself, <laughs> let me talk about myself for a sec. So, uh, episode number 30 is coming out next week, uh, next Sunday, whatever date in September that'll be. Uh, I already pre-recorded it, I'm gonna probably have to put a warning on it, as it is a bit raunchy, as I would say so myself. Uh, I say bad words, well, I always say bad words. Uh, Sean says a bad word because he's a badass. <laughs> And it's just a whole bunch of random nonsense. Uh, but in other news, I painted my fingernails another glittery and more gay. <laughs> just like me. Uh, I recently hit 8k followers on TikTok, and if you're listening to this and you're from my TikTok, thank you very much for listening, my dude. You're dope for listening to this nonsensical episode of Wang Bang. In the fish tank. <laughs> um, uh, Michael, how's your week going so far? Michael, thank you so much for asking. Um, I feel like I'm, I've gone through a lot of emotions for the past few weeks because of things happening. Uh, I became recently single. And ready to mingle, am I right, bros? I have no one to fist bump. I'll fist oh, high five. There we go. Um, but um, I'm just I've been going through a lot of emotions recently, and emotions suck ass. Can I just go back to being depressed and not feeling emotions? Thank you very much. It's <laughs> fucking stupid. <laughs> Alrighty, so, uh, instead of talking about my sad little life, well, actually, I said big life, because I'm a big old bitch. <laughs> um, let's get on to the main subject of this episode, which is, uh, so, this one is about, uh, these are the... I'm going to be talking about some famous serial killers and what they're wanted for, what they've done, all that nonsense. And if you find that interesting like I do, kick back, relax, uh, open a Diet Cola soda or um, um, a, 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 a drink that has carbonation because we're not sponsored by anyone specific. I have my thing of water right here. Actually, it's empty. I drank all my fucking water. Um, and let's just jump into it, dude. Oh my god, my DualShock 4 battery is low. Yes, I am a gay station player. If that is something that you don't like, then... Well, fucking... Who's the gay one now, huh? <laughs> okay. Alrighty, let's go to the least deadliest serial killer, to the most deadliest serial killer. I'm going to be talking about maybe about eight, uh, maybe seven or eight people 
who have done some pretty bad things. No shit, they've done pretty bad things. They're serial killers. Sorry, I'm stupid. <laughs> Alrighty. Let's start off with H.H. H. Holmes, a pharmacist who built a murder castle. H.H. H. Holmes spent his early career as an insurance scammer before moving to Illinois in advance of the 1893 Chicago World's Fair to work as a pharmacist. It was there that Holmes built what he referred to as a murder castle, a three-story inn that he secretly turned into a macabre torture chamber. Some rooms were equipped with hidden peepholes, gas lines, trapdoors, and soundproof padding, while others featured secret passages, ladders, and hallways that led to dead ends. There was also a greased chute that led to the basement where Holmes had installed a surgical table, a furnace, and even a mid medieval rack. Both before and after the World's Fair, Holmes led many victims, mostly young women, to his lair, only to asphyxiate them with poison gas and take them to his basement for horrific experiments. He then either disposed of their bodies in his furnace or skinned them and sold their skeletons to medical schools. At the same time, Holmes worked insurance scams, collecting money from life insurance companies. Holmes was finally caught when one of his co-corresponders tipped off the police after Holmes failed to deliver his payout. Holmes was eventually convicted for the murders of four people, but he confessed to at least 27 more killings before being hung in 19 or 1896. Dude, where is this murder castle located? I want to go on vacation. <laughs> Dead ends and shit. Like, why would... Would you like to... Who'd just be like, would you like to go to my castle? Uh, um, shit, what you got in this castle, G? I have, um, I have rooms, and the rooms are filled with things. Yeah, no, fuck that. You're not telling me it's actually in these rooms. Uh, nah, I'm good. <sighs> Number seven. Oh yeah, I'm doing this backwards, so... It started at 8, now we're at 7, then 6, countdown. Welcome to Watch Mojo. <laughs> the top 8 most deadly serial killers. Number 7. Jack the Ripper. There are almost 100 possible suspects. That's a lot of suspects. In 1888, London's Whitechapel district was gripped by reports of a... Vicious serial killers stalking the city streets. The unidentified murder man lured, pro lured prostitutes into darkened squares and side streets before slitting their throats and sadistically mutilating their bodies with a carving knife. That summer and f that summer and fall, five victims were found butchered in the downtown East End district, sparking a media frenzy and citywide manhunt. A number of letters were allegedly sent to sent by the killer to the London Mediter, Mediter, Metropolitan Police Service, also known as Scot as Scotland Yard. Totting officers with his gruesome activities and speculating on murders to come. 
Without modern forensic techniques, Victorian police were at loss in investigating the Ripper's heinous crimes. After, after taking his final victim in November, the killer seemed to disappear like a ghost. The cast was finally closed in 1892, but Jack the Ripper has remained an enduring source of fascination. The most popular theory suggests that the killer's understanding of anatomy and vasectomy vivisection meant he was possibly a butcher or a surgeon over a hundred possible subjects have been proposed so I have a theory about this I have a hair in my mouth (laughs) hairball sorry so my theory is that Jack the Ripper wasn't just one person but it was It started out as one person, and then over time, people saw that they could get away with murder as long as they blamed it on an entity that didn't actually exist. So, I mean, if you could get mur- if you can murder someone that you don't like, and then be like, oh shit, Jack the Ripper, I'd fucking- I'd do it in an instant. In an instant. But it's not- it's not 1892. It's- uh, 2020, where instead I could blame a virus for killing someone if I kill someone. Ah ha ha, you wanna... <laughs> Ayo girl, you wanna plan a murder with me, doll? Ah <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Number six. Ted Bundy. The first televised murder trial. Handsome, well-educated, and brimming with charm, Ted Bundy seemed the unlikeliest of ser- serial killers which made his decade-long multi-state killing spree the most surprising and to con- and to some appealing born as an unwed teenage born to an unwed teenage mother bundy never learned his father's identity and was raised believing that his grandmother was actually his mother and his mother was actually his sister following a difficult adolescence Bundy granted from the universe, graduated from the University of Washington and soon embarked on his murderous spree, killing his first victim in Seattle of 1966. Focusing primarily on attractive college co-eds, Bundy committed a series of murders across the Pacific Northwest. He continued on to Utah and Cal- Colorado, killing several more women before being arrested. Despite being convicted of kidnapping, he managed to escape police custody not once, but twice, while awaiting trial in Colorado. He moved to California where he, was kill- where he killed several members of a sorority and his, f- and his final victim, a 12-year-old girl who he raped and murdered. When Bundy finally apprehended while driving a stolen car a week after his last murder, his trial quickly became a media sensation. It was the first Myrtle, murder, Myrtle murder trial to f- be fully televised and featured Bundy front and center acting as one of his own defense attorneys. He became a media star, welcoming journalists to his cell, receiving letters of admiration from love-lorn t- fans, and even marrying one of them, and providing endless lists of clues and additional murders he may have committed in the hopes of delaying his execution. It didn't work. He was executed in the electric chair in 1989 with a true number of his victims unknown. Hey, I... I mean... 
Is it just me or does Ted Bundy? I mean, I'm looking at this picture right now of Ted Bundy. He looks kind of like his look, his vibe kind of gives me a homosexual vibe. Hello, welcome to Wang Being the Fish Tank, the podcast where I make everything gay. <laughs> but, um, no, Ted Bundy legitimately, like, he's an attractive man. Or at least he was. But, um, he gives off, like, a kind of a homosexual, like, gay vibe. Like, his. I don't know. Maybe the way that he acts. I don't know. I don't know. Leave in the comment section if you think Ted Bundy was homosexual. If he took it in the ass. <laughs> Ted Bundy would be a bondum, honestly. Number five, Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer committed his first murder in 1978 when he was just 18. He would go on killing until his arrest in 1991 after an African-American man escaped his clutches and hailed down the police near Milwaukee, Wisconsin. When the victim led the police back to his captor's apartment, they discovered photographs of dismembered bodies, a severed heads, and genitalia of other men in a tub full of acid that Dahmer had used to dispose of some of his 17 victims. Dahmer had lived a shiftless life, dropping out of college and the army and living with various family members before being kicked out by his grandmother and settling in a Milwaukee apartment. Three years after his 1991 arrest with several murders already under his belt, Dahmer was convicted of drugging and sexually molesting a young teenager. After serving only a year, he was released and continued his killing binge which focused nearly entirely on young men of color. Dahmer's sensation trial, featuring lurid descriptions of his eating the parts of some of his victims and admissions of necrophilia, renewed the world's interest in serial killers. In 1992, Dahmer was sentenced to a 957 years in jail, but was killed by a fellow inmate just two years later. Man, I wonder if Jeffrey Dahmer had a thing for dudes. Totally didn't just cut off men's genitalia. And... I think he ate it. He ate men's genitalia with his teeth. <laughs> Chumpy. Number four. Oh, one of my favorite murder cases, because this guy actually inspired one of my favorite horror movies. John Wayne Gacy. To most of his suburban Chicago neighbors, John Wayne Gacy was a friendly neighborhood man who, through popular block parties, volunteered in local democratic democratic policies, and even performed as a clown at local children's parties. But Gacy, who already served a stint in prison for sexually assaulting a teenage boy, was hiding a horrific secret right behind his neighbor's unseeing eyes. In 1978, when a 15-year-old boy, who had last been seen with Gacy, whose construction business the teenager was hoped to work for, went missing, police obtained a search warrant for Gacy's house. They were found there. They found a class ring and clothing belonging to the several young men previously reported missing, and a four-foot crawlspace beneath the house where. 
a penetrating odor was present. They were shocked to find decomposing bodies of 29 boys and teenagers that Gacy had raped and murdered. Gacy's ex-wife had complained about the odor for years, but Gacy chalked it up as to moisture causing mildew. Law enforcement also came under criticism as the family members of several of the victims had previously pointed to Gacy as a possible suspect. In addition to the bodies found in the house, Gacy admitted admitted to killing several additional men disposing of their bodies in a nearby lake. His attempts at presenting an insanity defense failed, and he was convicted on 33 counts of murder and executed by lethal injection in 1994. So John Wayne Gacy was actually one of the things that inspired uh, the It franchise, Pennywise. And um, honestly... I still think it's crazy that he was able to kill that many children without anyone noticing. Like, you think that someone would be like, hmm, all the children in this one suburban neighborhood are all going missing. I wonder. A big hmm moment. Number three, Ed Gein, the inspiration behind Psycho. The man whose macrobay and horrific acts help inspired Psycho. Silence of the Lambs and Texas Chainsaw Massacre grew up in an isolated area of Wisconsin. Man, it's always Wisconsin or Milwaukee. He was an abused child of an alcoholic father in a... A perdican... Puritanical and domineering mother who's... Who ins instilled in her son a pathologic fear of both women and sex. Pfft, gay. No. When his father, brother, and mother died within a five-year period, he was left alone at the family farm, where he eventually condoned off parts of the house, turning it into a shrine of sorts of his mother. Thirteen years later, local police arrived at the farm following on a tip regarding missing hardware store owner... Bernice Warden. They discovered Warden's headless corpse hanging upside down from the rafters. Their search of the property revealed a hall of horrors that included a human, human body parts turned into household items such as chairs, bowls, faces used of chairs and bowls, faces used as wall hangings and a vest made up of a human torso. Many of these gruesome items were from already dead bodies that Gain had stole from their graves, but had murdered one other woman in addition to Warden. He claimed that he was using the body ports to assemble a new version of his beloved mother. Gain was diagnosed with schizophrenia and declared unfit for trial. A decade later, he was convicted of one of the murders, but was declared insane at the time of the crime. He spent the rest of his life in a mental hospital. Yeah, apparently, by the way, that claim of he was trying to make a shrine of his mother was complete bullshit, considering he made more things that weren't a shrine to his mother. He made a rug, uh, he made a lamp out of faces, like, that fucker lied completely about all the things that he made, because, uh, I remember hearing that, like, you could still find shit that he made out of faces around online if you were to look hard enough. I don't want to because gross. 
<laughs> Number two. Belle Guinness, she married to kill. The woman who became known as Lucy, or Lady Bluebird, immigrated to America from Norway in 1888, settling in Chicago where she married a fellow Norwegian immigrant. The couple had four children, two of whom died young, and ran a candy store. By, 19, by the 1900s, the store had mysteriously burnt down and Guinness' husband was dead. Although both happened under suspicious circumstances, Guinness was unable to collect multiple in, was able to collect multiple insurance policy payouts, allowing her to purchase a farm in La Porte, India, Indiana. She quickly married, remarried, and just eight months later, her second husband died. Guinness claimed that he received a fatal burn from a scald, from scalding water and had been hit in the head by a hit. Heavy meat grinder. While in an inquest was held, no proof of foul play could be produced, leading to another hefty insurance payout. She then began placing newspaper advertisements in search of her third husband, with the requirement of that potential suitors had to visit the Indiana farm. Several prospective suitors made, a, made the trek, only to disappear forever, just one made it, and just one made it out alive. After reportedly walking up to see sinister-looking Guinness standing over him, <sighs> nobody knows for certain just how many people Belle Guinness murdered, but it seems uh, herself a grisly end. In February 1908, a fire devastated the farm. Amongst the wreckage, there was bodies of Guinness's remaining children, and they decapitate, decapitated decapitated corpse of a woman. Although the officials identified the remains as Guinness, doubt quickly spread as the body was much smaller than the tall, heavy-set bell. The search of her missing head, which never turned up, led to the gruesome discovery of almost a dozen bodies, including the missing suitors of several children. Ray Lamtor, a former farmhand that she had fired a few years earlier, had later claimed was threatening her life was arrested and tried for the crimes, but was only convicted of arson. Bell's true fate remains unknown, although unverified sightings continued decades after her death. Ooh, goosebumps. And then, Dr. Death. One of history's deadliest, deadliest serial killers was a married family man who managed to squeeze in 218 credited murders and as many as 250 while working as a popular British physician. Harold Shipman became, began his murderous spree in 1972 and, believed, and it's believed that he killed at least 71 patients while working at his first pra practice and double that number at his second practice he joined after butting heads with colleagues who found him arrogant, brusque, or overconfident. Finally, in 1998, both a local undertaker and, other, and another doctor noticed an unusually high number of cremation certificates shipment have signed off. They also noticed striking similarities in the recently deceased patients themselves. The majority were elderly women who found sitting up and fully clothed. 
not in bed as one would usually have the case of gravely ill. Jesus Christ. Despite these clues, this initial investigation was shoddily handled, um, allowing Shipman to kill three more times. Shipman's luck ran out later that year when the daughter of his final victim, lawyer Kathleen Grundy, claimed that he not only killed her mother, but had also tried to create a new fake will, naming him as her sole benefactory. Unlike his earlier victims, Grundy had not been cremated, and the autopsy revealed lethally high levels of dimorphine, a drug shipment used for most of his killings. He was formally charged with 15 murders and was convicted of sentence and a sentence to life without parole for in 2000. Shipman died in 2004 after committing suicide in his cell. He never admitted to any of the killings. Jesus Christ, what a roller coaster of emotions. Man didn't even he said, "I I'm a head out" and then killed himself. Like wait. <laughs> but um let me check my script real quick, if that is okay with everyone else. Uh, episode 29. Alrighty, question time. What random things do you still have memorized? Uh, that is a good question, Michael. Thank you so much for asking, Michael. What is a weird thing I have memorized? I, um, I do know... Every word to the Sophia the First theme, thanks to TikTok. Uh, I also know uh, the starting, the first five numbers of Pi. I want Pi. <laughs> pi. Um. Oh, that's that's a good question, honestly. Uh, next question. How are you? Um, I'm I'm okay. Actually, doing all right. That has been question time. It is time for a dad joke. Uh, alrighty. A man walks into a bar. He then says, ow. Jesus Christ. And the last but not final subject of this beautiful chef's kiss of a podcast. Uh, quote time, baby. And the quote for this week, heat is hot. Uh, Oh my god. Alrighty. This has been episode 29, the serial killer or killer episode. I don't know which one I'm going to do. Probably the killer episode. This has been episode 29, the killer episode. Join in next episode where I try to convince Jerry Seinfeld he is my father. Bye.